Greetings, passengers of the Brazen Place podcast, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. I will be your conductor slash host, Hillary. Be advised that this podcast may include spoilers, so use caution as needed. Also, feel free to join the discussions happening live and after the show in the Facebook group. Just search for Brace in Place, the podcast, all about the TV show Snowpiercer. Today's episode will begin with a season one overview as we prepare for the arrival of season two on Monday, January 26th. We will then move on to a discussion about what we hope to see addressed once season two arrives. We will also discuss what we love most about Snowpiercer. We will end tonight's episode with a fun segment called What Random Burning Unimportant Question About the Train Has Hillary Asked Herself This Week? But first, Brace in place for our official entry into this episode, which begins with our season one overview. All right. Hello, everybody. That was my wonderful intro there. Um, my name is Hillary, and I am a middle-aged married mother of two from Peoria, Illinois. Um, and what has led me to this wonderful place to leading a, an episode of a podcast all about Snowpiercer Well, I watched a lot of TV during COVID. Um, I watched a lot of movies. I watched a lot of television, watched a lot of Netflix. And I uh, kind of started yearning for something new to be obsessed with Um, just a a few weeks ago, actually. um, I think I've actually only been in Snowpiercer land for about three weeks. Um, About three weeks ago, um, my husband and I had a night to ourselves with no kids in the house. And he said, hey, there's this movie from 2013 that uh, is about a train and the end of the world. And he kind of had me at end of the world because I love that kind of stuff. Um, So we started with the movie. And as soon as I watched the movie, I was hooked and needed to know more about this world. Um, We then started watching the TV show. Um, It's been only three weeks, and I'm already going on my third time watching all of it all the way through. Um, And I'm also halfway through the first graphic novel. Um, There's a graphic novel written um, that was the first, I I believe the graphic novel came out first, and that inspired everything else. And so I'm halfway through the first one. So I apologize for not uh, being totally done with that. But it just came in the mail yesterday. And so I read as much of it as I could last night before I fell asleep. Um, But I'm just a middle aged mom that just loves this end of the world stuff and has a lot to say about um, Snowpiercer. So that's me. Um, I'm excited to hear from all of you that are listening. Um, and I know some of you came from another podcast that I kind of guest host sometimes, um, which is a podcast about the MTV show Challenged, um, about the MTV show The Challenge. And our podcast is called Challenged. So if some of you came over from there, welcome. Um, I only guest host over there. So this is my first go at hosting something all by myself. Um, so please bear with me as I kind of get my train legs here. Um, I will mostly focus on the TV show. But I do think it is kind of interesting to talk about some of the differences between the movie and the graphic novel. So um, that may come up here and there as we get to talking. Um, I also kind of weirdly felt a few weeks ago that I needed some distraction from daily life, from feeling like my world was falling apart um, between COVID and election stress and 
then the Capitol riots and just a lot of stressful things. And so it is kind of ironic that uh, the distraction that um, that I took to so well is an end of the world movie about and TV show about the world literally falling apart. It is kind of ironic, but um, you know, it is what it is. We like what we like. So I think that what I'm going to do um, is start with a summary. Um, there is a Facebook group that you guys are more than welcome to join. I will approve you. Um, no problem. I will approve everybody that comes in. Um, just be kind. Once you get into the group, of course, we want everybody to be nice and cordial to each other, even if we have some disagreements about theories and predictions and whatnot. Um, the Facebook group is just under Brace in Place, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. So search for that that. Um, so I asked some questions in the Facebook group earlier this week about what people were looking for in a new Snowpiercer podcast. And some people had mentioned that they wanted a recap uh, because it'd been a while since they'd seen season one. So I'm just going to start with kind of a brief summary of what the first uh, season of Snowpiercer was about. Basically, the first season of Snowpiercer starts with a very intense scene with people fighting to get on a train. Um, the end of the world has basically happened because human beings have warmed the earth too much through climate change. And what we decided to do as a human, as human the human race was, let's cool the earth down. Uh, so a bunch of scientists decided to, I don't know how, how they did it, but they released some chemicals into the earth or whatever. And it backfired. It made the world way too cold. So basically, the world uh, was freezing at a very, very fast rate and humans were dying. It was way too cold to, uh, to live in. So luckily, there was a rich old white guy, kind of old white guy, um, that named Mr. Wilford, who had a bunch of money, and he created a big luxury train. And there's some theories that maybe he knew that the end of the world was coming. And that's why he started designing the train the way that he did. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So he creates this big, long luxury train, a thousand and one cars long, and it's got everything that you need in order to sustain the human race. Uh, it's got farm animals, it's got plant life, it's got nightlife, it's got first class, second class, third class, and then the tail, So, which we'll get to. So it's got, it's got something for everybody, but it's a self-sustaining ecosystem. This is what the human race needs in order to survive. So the the season one starts with a man named Andre Layton, who is played by David Diggs, comes and basically breaks his way onto the train because it costs a bunch of money to get onto the train. Only about 3,000 people out of all of humanity is on this train. So of course, the people that are on that train spent a lot of money to get a ticket on that train. But then there's all these thousands of people who want to get on the train too, because they know if they don't get on the train, they're going to die. So a bunch of people, about 400 people sneak onto the train. And those people are shoved into the back of the train called the tail. So these are the group of people called tailies. And so they were unexpected in the train. It was not thought that they would be on the train. So there's no reason, there's not there's thought, I should say, that there's not enough resources for them. They immediately get treated like total crap. Um, they're just shoved in the back of the train in the tail. They have no sunlight. They get minimal food, no access to medical care or anything even remotely close to that. So then we enter Melanie Cavill, who's played by Jennifer Connelly. 
and she is kind of the voice of the train. She speaks over the loudspeaker and makes announcements for, uh, for Mr. Wilford. Um, she speaks for him. Mr. Wilford is kind of the wizard behind the curtain. He, you don't see him. You don't really hear from him much. Um, but she speaks on behalf of him. The season one opens with a murder investigation. Uh, there's people dying and there's people in first class dying. So that's why everybody gets all up in arms about it. Because when people in third class or the tail die, you know, nobody really cares, unfortunately. But when people in first and second class die, people start, people start noticing. So there's a homicide investigation and, uh, Mr. Wilford and Melanie Cavill realize that Andre Layton, David Diggs, used to be an hom- a homicide detective before he snuck onto the train. So they decide, let's pull this guy up from the tail and have him investigate, uh, this homicide. And this is kind of good timing because Andre Layton and a bunch of the people in the tail were already thinking about starting an insurrection. Um, they, they were already starting, started to think about infiltrating first class and infiltrating the engine so that they can start getting equal rights. Um, so this is kind of good timing because Andre uses his position. They really call him Leighton. Uh, Leighton uses his position to infiltrate. Uh, a lot of stuff happens. Um, some cows, the, the train, the, the train car that has cows gets taken out. Um, so there's no more cows. There's no more beef. Um, there's some suspected cannibalism going on. They think that maybe, uh, when somebody dies on the train, they take the body and they use that meat, um, in a ramen noodle type of concoction, which is, uh, interesting to, to watch happen. Um, but there's a lot of shady stuff. Um, there's also a drug called Cronol. Um, that sounded weird when I said that Cronol. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, Cronol, um, that they use to suspend people in what they call the drawers, um, which are literally what they sound like. They're drawers. There's hundreds of them on the train and people are in the drawers. Um, they're being suspended in, in this kind of coma like sleep, but the drug that they use to suspend them and keep them alive is called Cronol. And uh, it's pretty nasty stuff, um, but it can be a good painkiller. And so there's kind of a black market for Cronol. So there's a lot of shady stuff going on. People thought maybe the people that were dying and being killed were informants to Mr. Wilford. Basically, at the end of the season, uh, at some point in the season, I should say, uh, we find out who was killing these people. Um, it was a bodyguard for one of the richest people on the train. The richest people on the train, uh, one of the couples is called the Folgers. Um, and there's a mom and, da- and a dad and maybe a teenage-ish, uh, I'm not exactly sure how old she is, but a daughter um, named LJ. And it gets found out that LJ was actually participating in the killing as well. Um, she wasn't just participating in it. She also dismembered a lot of the people that were being killed. Um, she liked to, ch- to chop off their wieners. Um, so that was happening as well. Um, she ends up going to trial, um, and being convicted. Uh, the jury said, yes, we believe LJ convicted, uh, or excuse me, we believe LJ killed these people and played a part with the bodyguard who died at some point. He got killed by, uh, by police. Um, but then Mr. Wilford comes in and says, up. Oh, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna hold LJ accountable for this. Uh, she gets to go free, which, all all hell breaks loose after that. Um, it's it's not good. So it really leads to this kind of class war um, between the Tailies and uh, first class, um, who feel like they who feel very frustrated because they uh, get punished very severely for doing things wrong, and then 
somebody from first class gets to go off scot-free. It's pretty frustrating. Um, in the mix is also Andre's ex-girlfriend, but I believe it actually comes out later that she's a fiance or that they were married, um, named Zara. And initially you kind of like Zara, at least I did. Um, but then later on, it turns out that she kind of sells out, um, the tailies and tells, uh, tells Mr. Wilford and Melanie Cavill, uh, where people hiding are and who helped Leighton escape to help lead the revolution. Um, so everybody sees Zara as kind of a sellout. Um, there's also an assistant to Melanie named Ruth. And we're going to talk a little bit about Ruth later um, because I think Ruth is pretty fantastic. I, I like Ruth. She's one of my favorite characters. And if any of you guys that are joining, I see some people joining in the room, in the chat room, and it's so great to see people. Um, if you can type over here where Luke had typed, I hope that that function is working. And I'd love to hear anything that you guys have to say. And I will read your comments as deemed appropriate as we talk. Um, so, okay. So back to... To Ruth. Okay. Um, let's see. There's also a child. Um, his name is Miles and they call him Miles and Miles. Um, and he uh, is a tailie and he is deemed to be pretty smart. Um, and so he eventually gets pulled up to the engine to help out in the engine. And he also helps kind of lead the revolution to help the tailies uh, take back the train. Um, the last couple episodes of season one were pretty intense. If some of you guys haven't seen, um, haven't seen the whole season in a while, I would definitely uh, give those last couple episodes another go because there's a lot going on. Um, basically, everything kind of all the stars kind of line up for the tailies to take control of the train. Um, and when I say take control, they wanted equality, they wanted everybody to have a voice. Um, so Andre wasn't even I don't think really looking to be in charge, so to speak. Um, he just wanted the tailies to have fair treatment, um, everybody to have equal calories, um, you know, things like that. So uh, in the last couple episodes, Andre Layton ends up basically working with uh, Melanie Cavill and she says, okay, you can, you can take over. Um, it's also revealed at some point, I think it was at the end of episode one, that there basically is no Mr. Wilford, um, which I'd kind of suspected um, from, from day one, it just felt, uh, it felt just odd. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else thought, thought that when they were watching season one, but um, even from the beginning of the first episode, I thought this Mr. Wilford business seems, seems goofy. Um, so at the end of episode one in the first season, Melanie Cavill acknowledges uh, basically that she's Mr. Wilford. We don't know what happened. We don't know if he's dead, if he's uh, if there ever actually was a Mr. Wilford, I kind of spent the whole first season thinking that maybe Mr. Wilford didn't exist ever. Um, that's what I kind of thought. Um, but then at the end of season one, we find out that there actually is a Mr. Wilford. But Melanie says that at the beginning of uh, Snowpiercer departing, she realized that she was way smarter uh, and way more capable than Mr. Wilford. And if Mr. Wilford was leading the train, she says we wouldn't have made it anywhere. Um, we wouldn't have made it one revolution, I think she said, um, around the world. So she says that she basically kind of kicked him out of the train and left him for dead, um, which is uh, just an interesting thing to think about, um, her being in that position to do that. 
But in the last episode or two, we hear a radio signal coming from possibly another another source. Um, they think, are there is there a bunker somewhere? Is you know, are there human beings? And it's as they're passing through Chicago, um, which is where the train initially departed from, and I think where Andre Layton said he was uh, from. So it's kind of cool. That's mile zero. And we love Chicago here in Peoria. We're only a couple mi- couple hours away from Chicago. So they hear this radio signal and everybody's kind of confused. Who is this? Basically, it turns out there's another train. Um, there's another train and it is Mr. Wilford and he's still alive. Um, and he's coming for Snowpiercer. And there's some crazy way that his train can connect to Snowpiercer so that basically Snowpiercer is going to be um, taken over by this other train that is catching up to them. Um, and so that's kind of where the season left off. Um, our, our girl, Ruth, who who I love, who we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, um, Ruth is very, very loyal to Mr. Wilford. Um, throughout season one, some people would start talking about how they um, had met Mr. Wilford. Uh, you know, I think there was a police officer one time and guys in the chat room, if I'm wrong on this, feel free to correct me. Somebody at some point said, oh, I shook his hand before I got on the train or something. And I was kind of thinking, you know, it would be pretty easy to 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 get some random old guy to pretend like he's Wilford and shake some hands and put on a good face. But then Melanie's really the voice of it. But then you find out later that Mr. Wilford really was a, a real person um, and that he is in the other train and he is coming for Snowpiercer. Um, Ruth is the assistant to Melanie. So she heads hospitality with Melanie. Um, so she's got her very prim and proper uh, suit coat. Um, hair always looks done. Makeup always looks done. And she um, and she is very loyal to Mr. Wilford. She basically sees him as the reason that she's alive. Uh, she used to run a bed and breakfast that she said he came to one time and uh, told him, she and he told Ruth about the train and she decided I, I want to work for this guy and he hired her on the spot. So she she basically sees him like her savior. So she is very loyal to him. There is a core group of people in on the Snowpiercer who are very loyal to Mr. Wilford, who will do everything to him. They even sign their chest with a W kind of like um, it reminded me of Catholics, how they do the cross on their chest. Um, they do that a W on their chest to Wilford um, because he is their He's their guy. Um, so some people are very worried about Mr. Wilford coming back um, on the train because they see him as kind of the reason for this divide with the classes. Um, other people are uh, very excited for him and want him to come on and are singing the Wilford song and doing the Wilford chest movement thing, um, getting ready for him to come on board. And that's kind of where season one stops. Um, we don't exactly entirely know who's behind the door besides a little girl who actually identifies herself as Melanie Cavill's daughter, who she thought had also died um, along with Mr. Wilford. So she's probably hella pissed off, I would think, uh, because her mom, uh, she probably thinks her mom left her, which she did, but she thought that she was taken care of by her parents. So, you know, it's, it's, again, it's kind of a complicated thing. It's kind of a complicated decision. So there's the summary, uh, for season two. 
Um, if anybody in the chat room has anything, any important points from season one that they think I missed, feel free to chime in and let me know because that was a very quick rundown for 10 hours of pretty intense television. So let me see. I'm looking at my notes. Okay. So here are the next segment is going to be where we kind of talk about what are some of the favorite things about Snowpiercer. And this is probably going to be a common theme in all of our future episodes about Snowpiercer, which I'm going to be doing a recap episode after each uh, new episode starting next Monday when season two comes back on. So I love this show so much for so many reasons that I'm sure we're going to all keep figuring out all of the layers behind these stories and figuring out why we're so drawn to this. So here's some of the reasons that I came up with and that some people in the chat, um, excuse me, on the Facebook group told me about this week when I asked, what is it that you love so much about Snowpiercer? Um, one of the first things that I thought of that I liked so much was the the acting is so good and so believable. Um, excuse me, one of the first episodes showed uh, Andre Layton coming out of the tale for the first time in gosh knows how long. He hadn't seen the sun in so long. Uh, they fed him uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Um, and, you know, this guy had not been eating anything like that um, for years. And so the way that he ate that grilled cheese sandwich, oh, it was just, it was just, it was so believable. Um, and I really liked uh, Till, who is a brakeman. Um, what I've learned is the brakemen are the officers dressed in blue, and that is kind of the uh, the train's police. That's the police. Whereas the jackboots are the ones dressed in black, and that is military. So there's a character named Bess Till, um, who's a blonde-haired, tall brakeman, and she starts off looking like she's pretty tough, you know, kind of rough around the edges kind of lady. Um, but she kind of gives Leighton a little bit of a look when she sees him reacting to the sun the way that he is. And when she sees him reacting to the grilled cheese the way that he is, it was just a little look. And, and I just, I, I love those little moments like that where it's not overacted. It's not, um, it's not overstated. It's not this grand thing. It's really just a small look that she gave him that just made it really feel like she, um, she was starting to kind of see him as a human being um, when she didn't before. And so I, I love that. I love the acting. Um, I also love the character depth. Um, Jennifer Cavill, or excuse me, Melanie Cavill, Jennifer Connelly, um, isn't necessarily all good or necessarily all bad. Um, and this was something that came up in the Facebook group as well. Um, these decisions are complex and these people are complex. Um, I've also seen uh, the character of Melanie Cavill compared to Ben from Lost. If I've got some uh, fellow Losties out there that were also obsessed with Lost, like my husband and I were years and years ago, um, where people are complex and these characters are complex. So I love that. I love that aspect of it. Um, there's also a commitment to diversity that um, that I certainly appreciate. Um, you see a, a lesbian interracial um marriage uh, between Jinju and uh, Till and Best Till. Um, they end up eventually kind of breaking up. I'm not sure if that's the end of their story. We'll have to wait and see about that. But um, I appreciated that that representation there. Um, I also saw some non-binary folks represented in the in the night car. Um, so I, I like that commitment to 
diversity, um, would like to see more. Um, there's some other groups that I'm hoping to see some more of as, as we progress with additional stories. Um, Ruth, my goodness. Um, I, I don't know what it is about Ruth and I don't know if I'm the only person who, uh, who really enjoys the character of Ruth, but it's been a long time since I've seen somebody um, that I can't take my eyes off of, but I also kind of want to punch her. Um, she's just that kind of character. I don't know what it is about her. She's, she's fascinating to me. Um, and I really, really hope that eventually she comes around. Um, because right now she's, she's pretty obnoxious and she's kind of holding on to her beliefs pretty strongly. Um, but I hope that eventually she can see the light and, um, want to help the tailies out. Um, some other things that were mentioned in the Facebook group, um, were, uh, people enjoy Snowpiercer for the murder mystery aspect. Some people like, uh, trying to put the pieces together for um, a story like that, the the murder mystery aspect, um, the intense fight scenes. There are a lot of really intense fight scenes um, that are done really well. Um, they're, they're pretty gruesome. Um, guns aren't allowed on the Snowpiercer. So whereas maybe on a, a different type of show, it would just be kind of bang, bang, you're dead. Um, these are, these are pretty intense fights. There's lots of punching. There's lots, lots of stabbing. There's <laughs> lots of uh, getting hit in the head with bats. Um, so it's pretty intense. Um, lots of action scenes, but people, people like that. People said that that was something that they uh, enjoyed about Snowpiercer. Um, there's a lot of twists. Um, Snowpiercer, I mean, the very first episode, um, you're, trying to figure out this Wilford thing, trying to figure out who's Wilford. Where is he? Is he real? And then at the very end of the first episode, you learn, oh, nope, it's Melanie. So there's a lot of twists. Um, and then of course, the depth of characters uh, like Melanie Cavill was also mentioned, which we already talked about. Um, the The number one reason that I am drawn to uh, Snowpiercer, which I felt I needed to kind of save the best reason for last is how beautifully it represents uh, the class divide, um, the haves and the have nots, the rich versus the poor. And I think that uh, it's, it's done in such a beautiful, artistic, humane way uh, to show what is such inhumane treatment of people. Uh, David Diggs, oops, I just, I left the chat room. Evidently, I didn't know that I left the chat room. Um, and so somebody from the chat room is inviting me back in. Sorry for people listening to this on iTunes. Um, <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm still learning how to use all this technology, so I'm sorry it went away. Uh, people were probably trying to talk to me during that, and I just, nothing showed up. So I don't know how to use Facebook. It's kind of the devil. I'm sorry. Um, so we'll see if, we'll see if we can figure out how to make this work. So sorry, guys. Um, David Diggs had a, a, um, interview where he said, well, he was talking about his love of sci-fi and he says, uh, quote, I'm a sci-fi guy and it's more in line with the things that I consume, not just not really the things that I have been in. Uh, he says sci-fi and horror are quote, really just kind of reflections of what our concerns or fears are for any given generation. If you read them, if you read them more like that, they become uh, interesting and entertaining. And so I thought that was a pretty good, um, a pretty good quote about why a show like this is, um, is interesting and why we like it. I'm going to pause. 
Okay, so we're talking about David Diggs. Sorry, I had to pause the recording there a little bit. So sorry, listeners, if that sounded goofy. I'm still figuring out this technology. Um, basically, what I think David was saying is that we use entertainment as a way to reflect what's going on in our minds. And we use TV and movies as a way to reflect what our concerns are and our fears are. So what are people concerned about right now? What are people fear- fearful about right now? Well, people are fearful about uh, income inequality. Um, I've got some statistics here. America's billionaires could give everyone $3,000 right now and still have more money than they had before the pandemic. That's a true fact. In the last nine months, there's 651 billionaires that became over $1 trillion richer because of tax cuts and bailouts from the government while a majority of people just got one $1,200 check um, and maybe another one last week. Um, Over the last 40 years, wages for the top 0.1% grew by 345%, while the top 1% grew by 160%, whereas the bottom half was either stagnant or declined. We also have climate change that is reflected in uh, in Snowpiercer. Uh, that's what led to this whole crisis to begin with. Um, and that's a real concern that we have going on right now. California just had the worst wildfire season ever with 4.1 million acres savaged. Healthcare, I believe, is also a concern that is reflected in this uh, in Snowpiercer. Um, we have 14.6 million Americans that lost health care in America last year. Um, and I don't know about you, but that Dr. Klempt, I think was his name, um, I think is pretty symbolic of American healthcare. care. Um, there's also Dr. Pelton, the female doctor who I like and who I think I would trust, but not the other dude. So it's confusing. You get some good care some places and you get some really bad care elsewhere um, because that guy is creepy. What's going on with that guy? We're going to have to talk about him another time. Somebody in another Facebook group that I'm a part of uh, posted an article. Um, the the person that wrote the article um, is named Nir Rajiv. So I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, and he wrote an article titled 10 Examples of Socioeconomic Class Divide. Um, and this was a really, really interesting article all about all of the different ways that uh the classes were divided on Snowpiercer. Um, there's a quote, punishment for thee, not for me. And so if you think about the things that happened to people in the tale, uh, they, one of the episodes had a mother who kind of took the brunt for her daughter who was supposed to get in trouble. Um, but the mother just said, no, punish me instead. So they stuck her arm out the window and it froze off basically. Um, and that's a pretty common thing that seems to happen down in the tail. Um, they take an arm with no due process. Whereas look at what happened with LJ. Uh, she was, she had due process, but then the punishment was just completely wiped clean, uh, because her class, because she's first class. If you think of all of the other aspects, uh, that were in, uh, this article, uh, he mentioned daylight, uh, people in the tale hadn't seen daylight. They're probably incredibly vitamin D deficient that can lead to a host of illnesses and things. Uh, the food aspect, the, the people in the tale are served these weird, they almost look like a jello bar, um, uh, like a brick, a jello brick. And, um, 
they, I think they put bugs in it. I think at one point they, somebody said that they put bugs in it, but they look like blood bars. They, they really do look like blood bars and that's what they have to eat and they have to ration them. Um, but they're not getting regular meals back there as opposed to first, even second class who gets dessert on a regular basis. Um, there was one moment that I remember that showed LJ in her first class train And I think it was during one of the episodes where the train was in some kind of distress. Um, I don't know if it was during the avalanche episode or when there was something mechanically wrong with the train that Melanie had to go fix. Uh, But it was very bumpy. There was a lot of turbulence and and, uh, things were just very bumpy. She had like two or three desserts on top of her uh, on her table there. And they started bouncing off of the table and just fell on the ground and shattered. And I just thought... Can you imagine somebody from the tail um, just letting food fall to the ground like that? They would be scrambling and trying to save it. Um, time alone is another privilege that is mentioned. One of the first episodes had uh, a, an old man named Old Ivan. And that's another reason that I really like this show, because you grow to, to really like and care for these characters, even in such a small amount of time. Um, old Yvonne was barely in one episode, and he ended up committing suicide. The only thing that he wanted for his birthday, this was his birthday, it was his birthday in that episode only thing that he wanted was an hour to himself. Because if you can imagine always having people around, um, you can't go to the bathroom by yourself, you can't do anything by yourself. So he just wanted time alone. And so they gave it to him. And he ended up using that time to to sadly kill himself. Um, But I grew to, to like that character, even in the small amount of time that I knew him. But he, uh, that's a privilege that um, I don't think privileged people even think about having that time alone. Um, There's also a lot of shady business. We kind of been talking a little bit about the the shady business. There's some sexual favors going on for Kronol. Um, I look forward to finding out more about that, if there's some kind of um, market that's going on for that. Uh, One of the brakemen is named Oz, and he is involved with getting sexual favors and trade for Kronol because for some some reason he's got unlimited access to that. Um, They also use the poorer classes and the tail as entertainment. They have a fight night and that's literally seeing poor people fight each other till they are knocked out. um, And they're doing that so that they can try to move up in classes. And so it shows the first class watching them, uh, drinking their goblets of wine, and just really enjoying themselves watching people fight over what they have so easily. And it's it's a bit it's a bit uh, maddening, to be honest, Um, you watch that and you just kind of think, my goodness. So this is this is one of the reasons this is the number one reason that I love this show is I think it's uh, doing such a good job representing income inequality and what is happening because we are we are literally in Snowpiercer in America right now. And um, I might get some flack for saying that, but I believe it's the truth. So uh, I think that um, we've got a lot of things to look forward to as we kind of wrap up our first episode here some things to look forward to um, with season two. I hope that we find out more about the drawers. Uh, What's going on in them? Uh, There's been some mention of uh, human experiments and things that are going on in there. There's been some mention that there's a lot more people in the drawers than we originally thought. Um, So I look forward to finding out more about that. Uh, Finding out more about the gun aspect. Um, 
initially it says there's no guns on Snowpiercer, but then you find out there's some guns on Snowpiercer because the rich people snuck them in. Um, I also love, love, love Mike O'Malley. Um, he plays Roche. I think that's how you said his name. Um, the main brakeman. He's kind of in charge of the police force. And I have loved that guy since I watched him on Nickelodeon. I don't know if there's any other people my age, pushing 40-ish, that grew up watching um, shows on Nickelodeon, these game shows, but he hosted a couple of them. And then he went on to be on one of my all-time favorite shows, Glee. And now he's playing this character. And I just I just love him. I, I think that he is such a good actor and is so entertaining to watch. So I look forward to finding out more about what's going on between the military and the brakemen, because a lot of the people in the military uh, were killed during uh, the uprising. Um, there was a few train cars that ended up having to get cut loose. And there was a lot of people on there. Uh, and a lot of brake, uh, excuse me, a lot of jackboots, I think a lot of the military were on there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. I've got a few um, relationships that I'm a little interested in seeing how that plays out. I, I'm, I'm a social worker and I do some work with adolescents. And so I have to stay up on um, on the hip language. Um, they'd probably all cringe if they heard me say that. But I've heard that when you want two people to have a relationship together, you call that shipping them. So I've shipped a few people. Um, I think Audrey, who is the night car singer, um, she had a little a little flirt moment with a guy that they call the last Australian. And I think that they call him that because he is literally the last Australian. Um, and so she's very glamorous. She's got a very, um, she almost kind of reminds me of the Black Dahlia. Um, very glamorous, very uh, beautiful character. Always looks very done up. Um, I think it would be interesting to see her um, maybe take in this last Australian and see what happens between the two of them. Ruth, our girl Ruth, finally got some action. Um, she was finally, I think, able to uh, to hook up with one of the main um, one of the main jackboots commander. I'm I'm blanking on his name. What was his name? Brakeman Gray, or excuse me, Commander Gray. Commander Gray, that was his name. Um, they kind of built up to those two, and um, as soon as they hooked up, then there he goes, and now he's dead. Um, same thing happened with um, with Andre Layton and Josie. This girl Josie, they'd really built that up, and as soon as they hooked up, then she dies. So I guess maybe, maybe don't have sex on Snowpiercer. I don't know. Um, but I think it would be really interesting. There's only two other engineers in the front besides Melanie Cavill. Um, there's her kind of boyfriend, Ben, um, and then this other guy, Javi. And they kind of have a lot of running jokes about Javi being obsessed with the train and how he kind of needs to get a life. Um, so I think maybe a Ruth and Javi relationship would be kind of cool. Um, there's this other guy named Pike. And Pike is a tailie. Um, Pike and Layton did not seem to really get along. They seem to disagree about how they thought the uprising should go. Um, Pike eventually sold some secrets, I think, and ended up getting some special treatment. He got to shower, he got to get a haircut, he got to hang out up in first class. Um, so he's kind of thinking that he's, you know, he's tough shit. Um, but he's still kind of got got a little bit of a rough edge to him. So I think maybe a Ruth Pike relationship might actually be kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, 
And then we've got LJ and Oz. Um, Oz is the uh, brakeman, the police officer who was doing some shady stuff. Um, but he's also had some heartwarming moments when he's been talking about his mom and his he had a tough childhood. Him and LJ meet um, later on in the uh, later on in the season, I don't know exactly what the age difference is. So I'm not trying to be inappropriate and in suggesting that they hook up if there's a huge age difference. Um, but LJ seems like maybe she's maybe even early 20s. And Oz seems like he maybe is too. So I hope I'm not suggesting something that would be illegal nowadays. Um, but if they're in a similar age bracket, um, maybe those two could have something. Um, don't know what's going on with Till and her wife. Um, they had a falling out due to how they were handling some secrets about the train. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see Till be able to hook up with somebody. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, they also briefly talked about a place on the train called the Chains, um, which is a place I want to say it was in third class where they took some old boxes and some old crates and decorated it and kind of made it into a little bit of a hot spot. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I like knowing the backstory behind things like that. Um, and then, of course, we need to know more about this other train, uh, Big Alice. Uh, they call the other train that gets on the backside of Snowpiercer and attaches itself. They call it Big Alice, but the way Melanie Cavill describes it, it was a supply train and it was just kind of meant to have supplies and that it would really help Snowpiercer out because they lost the cattle and they lost a lot of plants during the uprising. A lot of things just got kind of torn apart. But we need to know what's going on with the supply train. Is Wilford on it? What's his deal? Um, we know that there is an actor playing Wilford uh, that's coming in. Um but we don't know what's his role going to be. Is he going to be around for the whole season? Uh, is he going to be mad at Melanie? We we just don't know. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. So I, for one, am very excited to uh, have season two come out. What we're going to do is end this episode and possibly future episodes with a random, pressing, unimportant question. And I asked this in the Facebook group um, earlier this week, and the responses that that uh, that came were actually good questions. Um, so I'm thinking of questions that, excuse me, I watch shows like this, and I think about just the, the probably the dumbest things, but maybe other people do this too. I watch shows like this, and I think, do they have time limits on showers? Um how do they make their clothes? Did they come in with years and years worth of clothes? Or do they have somebody in there that makes clothes? Um, do they have sheep on the train to make the cotton for the for the clothes? Do they trade? Is there somebody in charge of the clothes? Um, these are the kinds of things that I wonder. And it's these kinds of questions that I'm going to end our episode with. Um, the ones that responded on Facebook did not meet that criteria. Um, because Luke, God bless you, your questions were actually good questions. Luke wanted to know, um, is the train going faster and faster and never stopping? Would your body be affected by that over a length of time? That's a very good scientific question, not what I'm going for. Um, he also asked something about the idea of cannibalism and would that eventually, does that make people go crazy? You know, whether it's something biological about eating another human being or the psychological, psychological aspect. Again, that's kind of a deep question. I'm looking for the type of questions that when I ask them, my husband looks at me and says, why the hell are you asking about that? This is a TV show. So 
my question for the week is going to be, what's going on with razors? Because people in first class, the men look like they have shaved with a sharp razor. They don't look like they've used clippers, say. But it seems uh, like it wouldn't make much sense for them to bring thousands and thousands of disposable razors. So I asked this question to my husband, how do you think they would shave? And he says, well, they would probably have a straight razor that they would sharpen over time. And that's why I like asking these questions, because I never thought about that, because I don't shave my face. Um, But I just, I don't know what it is. I like thinking about these kinds of questions, because I like thinking about what it would be like if I were put in that situation, because who knows, someday maybe we will be. So I look forward to hearing what your random, uh, what your random burning unimportant questions are about Snowpiercer. So if you have those, feel free to submit them in the Facebook group, search for Brace in Place, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. So that's going to be my episode for today. I will post another episode after season two debuts on Monday. And don't forget to brace in place.